Welcome to MoCo's Most Famous, Montgomery Community Media's newest podcast. We're coming to you from our podcast studio in Rockville, Maryland. You can already hear our guest, Arch Campbell. He is raring to go. Haven't even introduced him. MoCo. MoCo. And you're most famous. So, I mean, congratulations. I've never heard of MoCo MoCo. Well, you know, it's just we don't have time to say Montgomery (laughs) County Arch, so we just go with MoCo. They pay you by the word. You know, J-Lo. We don't have time to say Jennifer Lopez. So, we're, we're just shortening things up to save some time so we can get other things done. Um, so I, I am Joe Yashroff, I think. I'm the Director of Content and Operations here at MCM and very excited mm-hmm. to be hosting this podcast with Arch Campbell, local legend, decades, you, you know, you know decades, the face. Yes. Decades. <laughs> Elderly guy. Elderly washed guy. Washed up when I. Definitely not. Wa- if you hear <laughs> the voice. When I did this. You, you, when I did that. If you can hear the dulcet <laughs> tones of Arch Campbell, you know he's not washed up. He's, he's still got it. People know uh, you, of course, from uh, your years at NBC4. Right. And also at Channel 7, and you continue to, I know you're doing a podcast with uh, Ann Hornaday, and uh, you're you're still doing everything you did before, you're just not on Channel 4 every day. (laughs) Yes, and and I'm not doing as much of it, and I'm not doing it 18 hours a day like I used to. But I'm still interested in what's going on, and uh, I guess we're going to talk about movies and entertainment. Absolutely. And I find this a really interesting time for movies and entertainment because I think the entire concept of movie entertainment is changing right in front of our eyes. So uh, so I'm kind of glad I'm still around and I'm glad I'm still interested. Definitely an exciting time. And we're going to get into some Oscar picks, which I can't wait mm-hmm, for. It's coming mm-hmm. up this uh, this Sunday. and this um, Oscar weekend. Oscar weekend. Very exciting. I, I'm still going to be looking for you on Channel 4 giving a preview, but I guess I won't <laughs> find you there. I'll have to find a, you on a podcast. So I'll tell you what. We, you, you, you know, that was, you're mentioning the Oscars, yeah. and I started going out for Channel 4. I think th- the first time I went out was 1981, which was the year that Ronald Reagan was shot, yep. and that's how I remember that. And that is now uh, almost 40 years ago, and the times are off. You know, NBC never, NBC was not carrying the Oscars by the time I went out there. So when I would go out there, the 11 o'clock news would come on. I'd go on about. Eight o'clock California time, and then I was through. <laughs> One year, uh, there was a nice restaurant across from the uh, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, so I went over there and had dinner and wa- watched the Oscars from the uh, from the bar at this restaurant. How was that? And, well, it was pretty good. <laughs> But don't tell anybody. I will not. This is this is uh, this is just between it you and I. It appeared that I was right in the thick of things, but actually I was uh, at the bar having a lovely dinner. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. I want to talk about your style and kind of your your persona when uh, when we saw you on TV and 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 now you know you never were stuffy or came across as someone who knew more than everyone. You came across as sort of an everyman, an average Joe, if you will. Was that intentional? Is that you? How, how did that come to I got into reviewing movies because I was working in a newsroom in Dallas. I worked at a great television station, WFAA Dallas, and we had a guy who turned out to be a legendary news director, a man named Marty Haig. And uh, he would come in every morning. First, if he came to the station, he fired most everybody there. I survived the firings. He would come in every morning and yell at us. 
who's doing this? Who's doing that? I want this. I want that. So one morning he came in and he said, I want a movie reviewer. Who wants to do it? And of course the place went dead silent. So I raised my hand. I said, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll be your movie reviewer. And that's how I got into movies. And once I said, okay, I'm going to do it, then I was faced with, well, gee, how am I going to do this? And because I didn't go to film school, I just always liked movies. And you have to remember, that happened in 1973. Uh, the first movie I reviewed was American Graffiti. Oh, wow. Which was a good way to start. Sure. So I decided I can't pass myself off as an expert, so I will pass myself, I will become the average guy. I'll be the average person, and I'll talk about uh, how I liked a movie in the same manner uh, I would talk about it with uh, you mm -hmm. if we'd gone together. Sure. And then, then I decided you got to, you need more than that. So you need like three criteria. So I came up with: Does the movie deliver what it promised you? You know, why did you want to see it? Well, I want to see it because of this. Did it do it? Is it entertaining? And is it worth the uh, money? Uh, interestingly, first it was worth. <laughs> is it worth the two dollars? Two dollars. Then it be, is it worth the the five dollars? Is it worth the ten dollars? Sure. Now I guess uh, a, a movie ticket is up to fifteen. Yeah, bucks. it's unbelievable. So uh, that's how I got into movies because I answered a call by a guy who was screaming at us, and and that's where the, where it came from. Just I want to be the average guy. Right consultants will probably tell you that people don't like movie reviews because people go and say, you know, hey, I thought that was pretty good. And then they'll read a review or particularly criticism and somebody will rip it apart. And, and often people are thinking, did we even see the same thing? Sure. So that broad average guy thing served me well, especially in the days when I was in television news, because now I've, we have a couple of young guys in here, an observer and, a, and an engineer. Both, both of those guys look like they're maybe in their 30s. It's hard to believe that 40 years ago, there were only three networks. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's all you had to watch when you went to TV. And uh, 30 or 40 years ago, if you wanted to see a movie, you had to go to the theater. And movies would play in theaters three months, four months, sometimes up to a year. Well, then the VCR came along, and then the Internet Revolution came along, and then streaming came along. And now you have uh, access to films from a lot of different places. Are, are you um, surprised? Sorry to interrupt, but are you surprised that people still go to the movies? It's so easy to, you know, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or, or whatever streaming service, stream that people still actually go to the movies? You know, I like going to the movies. Oh, I do too. You get out of the house yep. and you get a communal experience. Sure. And you get uh, you get the experience of of other people's reactions as you as you watch. You know, if you watch a Mel Brooks film now, <laughs> even if you watch uh, Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein, you'll notice that their pace is kind of slow mm -hmm. because he would leave room for the laughs in the theater. So. <laughs> Goodness, what knuckers. Thank you, Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs>
Terry Gar, I and believe, then, right? You know, a little a little pause, and then they'd go on to the next thing. And it was because he was making room for the laughs in the theater. Sure. I mean, there were so, things in Blazing Saddles that you couldn't oh. do today. And we won't say what they are right now, but there are th- there's some words and themes that you couldn't you could not do today. So I do like I love the idea of going to a theater, but mm-hmm. you know, as I mentioned at the top of this, I be- the world is changing very slowly and very gradually and very surely right in front of our eyes. And the availability of stream streaming media and the quality of of the material on Netflix and HBO and and the other services is so good right. that it's clear going to the movies is going to be more unusual in the sure. future than it is now and you know the world changes and and you go with it and uh, interesting, Roma was released on Netflix exactly. and at the theater simultaneously. And what did you think of that phenomena, phenomenon? Uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, uh, Netflix had Mudbound, mm-hmm. yep. which was a uh, beautifully done, high-quality production and uh, didn't get the attention it deserved because people in the industry said, ah, oh, well, that's, that's Netflix, right. that's streaming. Roma, which which I saw in the theater first at a I went to the Middleburg Film Festival and they showed it. It is designed for the big screen. It is it's a triumph of cinematography. They they get shots in there and do things in there that I've never seen uh, in a film, but their idea is yeah, we belong in a theater, but if we were in a theater, we wouldn't get into Tulsa, Oklahoma, or, you know, little towns across America. We'd get in, you know, the top 20 cities, and that's it. And this year, I believe that Roma will be selected as best picture. I think you're and right. And it's a breakthrough. It is the best picture mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It, it, it really is a technical triumph. And if Roma wins for Best Picture as well as Best Foreign Picture, people will remember this as a turning point in entertainment. And the fact that Quaron, am I saying his name right, yeah. uh, that he yeah. uh, chose to make it in black and white was a, was a, an important and big decision on his yeah. part. Uh, so another, uh, ex- so I saw both. Uh, I saw Roma on the small screen and the big screen and mm-hmm. couldn't agree more that it's definitely made for the big screen. I also saw Bohemian Rhapsody first right. on a small screen and I didn't love it. And I loved Queen and I loved those kind of movies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't like it. And then I saw it on the big screen a couple yeah. of nights ago. Uh-huh. Completely different right. and I really, right. really and how it. was the audience reaction? Very, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, the audience reaction at home was the same as mine, my family, and uh-huh. they, none of them liked it. That's they, it? Yeah, and then, but when we uh-huh. saw it at the uh-huh. movies, everyone loved it. So, I mean, that um, goes to show that some movies are really designed for the big screen. You know, I think people didn't expect a lot from Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't expect it to be an award winner. And it's it's a by-the-numbers mm-hmm. movie biography. It's, it's not like, it's possibly not the most creative story ever told, but the passion which, which Remy Malek plays Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. and the teeth... <laughs> Oh, yeah, the teeth. The teeth alone. He already has an overbite, but they give him even more of an overbite. (laughs) 
And then the finale, the the twenty minute recreation of Live Aid, yeah. is just so rich is. that that it's it's I mean you know it, it's it's an exhilarating experience. And even when you walk out and you think, well, you know, it's that's 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 your normal movie biography. There's something about that performance that just that's that you can't ignore. Right, I saw on your website you gave it three stars, uh, three and a half stars, and you called it irresistible but cliched, which I thought was very, right. very apt. Yeah, and you know, I think he's going to win Best Actor. Do you really? Yeah. Did you watch Mr. Robot? Uh, yes, I did. I he th- was, thought uh, that was pretty cool. And before that, he uh, played a terrorist, I believe, on uh, not Homeland on uh, Twenty Four, uh-huh. uh, the Jack Bauer uh, show. So right. he he can act, and I just wasn't sure that he or anyone could pull off Freddie Mercury. I mean, that was a, a once uh, very uh, unique individual, and and he pulled it off. So he did. But uh, in terms of actor, so you, you're picking Malik over um, Christian Chris, Bale, who who became uh, Dick Cheney in Velvet. And that's, a, you know, I'm surprised a lot of people don't like the movie Vice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it falls along political lines mm-hmm. or just what. I thought it was an okay story with uh, an extraordinary performance. I mean, Christian Bale, it's, it's eerie he's so good in the part. He's so much like Cheney. And I I thought he might win, but there seems to be a move toward uh, Remy Malik. I say a move yeah. as if it's, I'm out there sure. <laughs> and know what they're thinking. Nobody knows what they're thinking. But the the, the other awards that have been nominated, sure. uh, that have been given to Remy Malik, indicate that right. he's maybe the guy. Maybe SAG and BAFTAs and yeah, maybe the, yeah, uh, and all, these, couple all these awards. SAG, you know, the, and uh, actors vote for actors. Right. And so uh, when he gets the SAG award that you know that's his audience all right we're gonna uh, take a step away from movies for oh, a second oh, I thought we had a commercial break. no not commercial commercials yet. on this we do we do actually oh, you'll sell commercials uh well I don't know if we're selling them but we're promoting <laughs> Montgomery Community Media so, oh uh, yes. well that's good but that's uh, we're good. not gonna step away for commercial yet but oh, we are not? gonna talk okay. about Montgomery County though you're oh, a long time oh. Montgomery yeah. County resident actually I moved in the county in 1977 wow so that mm-hmm. is 23 that's uh 40, uh, 42 years. 42 years. So yeah. what about Montgomery County do you like? I like the trees. I like <laughs> uh, the way it looks. I like uh, the things that are in the uh, in the county. I like the shops. I like the little mom and pop places. I like the golf courses. I like Connecticut Avenue and Wisconsin Avenue. And, and uh, I like that uh, you can drive all the way up to South Mountain and you're still uh, mm-hmm. in the county. And, uh, and I I like that I can take a one-mile walk where I live, and suddenly I'm in D.C., mm-hmm. and, you know, I like it, and I like it up here. I grew up in Texas. I'm a native Texan. Not just a native. I'm like a fourth-generation Texan. I think No my, accent, though. I, I had a no really twang. good teacher okay. in high school and junior college, but I think my great-grandfather was brought to uh, Texas from Illinois, and that they arrived right after statehood in mm-hmm. 1845. Wow. And when you grow up in Texas, you know, they drill into you. This is the best place. So, you know, why would you leave? I, <laughs> I was working in Dallas and I got 
the offer to come up here to D.C., and a guy I worked with grabs me by the collar, and he says, come outside, come outside, and we go out in front of the uh, station. He says, look at that sky. You'll never see a sky like that again. (laughs) You'll be sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought I'd live in D.C. three years, and I've been up here since 1974, so that's 45. Wow. And, and it's nice up here. So do you consider yourself a Marylander, or do you always consider yourself a Texan who, uh, who moved to Maryland? Well, you know, once you have lived outside of the state longer than you live in it, right. they, your, your, your certificate goes to, like, second <laughs> class. Right. Did you like my Barbara Walters-like <laughs> yeah. question there? That yes, was a pretty I, hard-hitting I, question I, no, right I there, No, I like that. That was very good. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but, you know, I still have roots down there. I still have friends I went to high school with. And I still go back mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times a year. But I don't think I'll move back. I like it here. Favorite hangout in Montgomery County? Oh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, it used to be the Hard Times Cafe ah, yes. in Rockville. I'm not sure they're there anymore. I think it was moved to Beth- I don't know if it moved to Bethesda, but I know there was, was there one was in one Bethesda. There was one in Bethesda, and there yeah. was one out in Rockville. Mm-hmm. The one in Rockville was great. So, so for a Texan to like that, that's saying a lot oh because yeah. I'm sure your yeah. tastes and Tex-Mex yeah. and that kind of food is probably right. – uh, you're a tough critic, I would imagine. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. I like uh, Montgomery Mall. I go to Montgomery Mall a lot. <laughs> They got oh, movies, God. they got the eatery. What more could you want, right? Uh, and, you know, Arclight is yes. just a terrific, terrific place. They really upgraded from what it used to be. I, I, I'll see. I like uh, Quartermain's Coffee out there mm-hmm. on Democracy Boulevard. You talked about commercials. That's, We're doing some commercials well, right yeah, now, which is yeah. great. And, you know. Maybe we can get some of these maybe folks they to, can, uh, uh, to sponsor the podcast. Pitch in. Oh, I, I, t- I promised uh, the engineer I wouldn't pop my peas and I just just (laughs) popped one. I had this wonderful teacher in high school and uh, number one, you know, she she was very protective of microphones. And we'd get in front of the microphone on stage. And if you ever blew into a microphone, she would go ballistic. You never blow into a microphone. What's <laughs> wrong with you? You snap your fingers. That's how you know if it's live or not. So I'm snapping my fingers there. And she tried to teach us how to talk across a microphone. And she taught us Texans with the twang to uh, think about how we sound, and that helped me get rid of my accent. Interesting. I had a friend who was South American, and we would play golf, and I would practice my Spanish on him, and I would uh, use every curse word I knew in Spanish just to see if I could get a rise (laughs) out of him. And he said, you know, when you speak Spanish, you sound like a redneck hick. (laughs) That is Which is an interesting uh, idea, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just glad you're laughing because that is one of your signatures. Yes. And I used well, to tune in to get the reviews, but also to hear your laugh right. because the joy you brought, and I'm, I'm not just saying this, you, you brought a lot of, you brought and bring a lot of joy to whatever you're doing. And I think that's probably also one of your things, one of your signatures. Well, I've been thinking about that. I mean, you know, I laughed because I was nervous and, yeah. uh, you know, that covered my nerves and my anxiety. The 11 o'clock news on Channel 4, really, if I'm ever going to be remembered for anything. And oh, you will. I, I hate to tell you, but I've been off of that for 12 years. It's amazing. But it had program flow. 
is you started with Jim Vance doing the news, and it never really gelled until he finally was partnered with Doreen Gensler. Mm -hmm. For many years, we were all men on there. There was a great guy, Dave Marish. Yep, with the beard. Who was, you know, he had worked in New York and had done the news, smoking a cigar yep. in the in the WCBS newsroom, and then he went to NBC, and then he came to DC. He was also a sports guy, so it was him and Vance, and and then Bob Ryan and George Michael, and then me. And we did need some gender balance, so Doreen, the first night she was there. Vance and George Michael started talking about something, and she took exception to mm-hmm. what George said. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't say that. And so she jumped right in. On the air. And yeah, yeah. And and shut George up, mm-hmm. which was not easy to do. Oh. And by uh, staking her claim, mm-hmm. not to be one of the guys, but the claim was, I'm going to be an equal out here, and you will accept me as mm-hmm. an equal. And that gelled it. So talking about program flow, you had Vance and Doreen, and then Bob Ryan, who was is continues to be my dear friend and a very, very funny guy, and then George. And, so by, and by the time I got out there, I had to do something that held their attention. And I had to do something that they could relate to and understand. And because I was playing for that inner office audience, it kept me broad. It kept me average guy. And and that helped. And, and the program flow helped. And really, the mix of people and the, the mm-hmm. uh, characters, it made all of us better. And, and that's what made it memorable. Absolutely. Somebody told me many years ago, maybe 25 years ago, it was a a woman I worked for, and she said, you know, in the future, newscasts will be determined by story rather than by segment. Mm. You know, we were segments. There was a news segment. There was a weather segment, sports segment, entertainment segment. And, of course, she was right. And that that is what you see now. They'll get on a story and they'll drag it out. And, and the story is reported as it develops as opposed to back then when the news was over and we were telling you what happened. Now uh, news is telling you what is sure. happening happening and that's different. I like the way we used to do it. I, I, and then after me, you got Johnny Carson. Yeah. And later Leno. Right. But uh, Carson. And so, you know, we started serious and kind of worked our way down. And then I was the uh, the the last uh, laugh. Right. Leave him and laughing. Then, and then to Carson. Yeah. So it was. Up until 92, uh, 90, 92, 93 with yeah, Carson. Yeah. yeah. No, those are yeah. great memories. All right. So hold your thought, Art. A lot oh. more great stories from the great Arch Campbell. Uh, uh, hold your nose. Hold your nose. Uh, <laughs> we, we're going to get into more Oscar picks. I want to talk mm. about some Oscar snubs. I want to talk about oh, your hats. And by the way, right, you can't right. see this because we're not on TV, but Arch is wearing a hat. But it's not one of the familiar fedoras. I'd like to know why I'm wearing a hat. No. Oh, well, I've got my headphones. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back after a quick message. Stay tuned.
MCM, your community media center, is making Montgomery County a great place to live through programs like 21 This Week. Montgomery County's hardest-hitting political talk show keeps you up to date with the local political scene. Montgomery Community Media. Our middle name is Community. back. I'm Joe Yasharoff. This is MoCo's Most Famous. Our guest is the popular, the legendary Arch Campbell. You hear Moco. him laughing. MoCo. You this love, is, you love this the This is something new for me. MoCo. Well, I want now you, you to now. you have to be careful how you pronounce that. Uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> but I want you to now use the term MoCo with your friends Moco. and start spreading the word about <laughs> MoCo and also the podcast, Moco. of course. All right. You were talking about... Uh, Hello, MoCo. Hello, MoCo. <laughs> Uh, you were talking about Jim Vance, Doreen Gensler, George Michael, Bob Ryan, legendary, and, right. and your yeah. you were you were yeah. the fifth Beatle. Uh, right, I, guess I was. You could, yes, I could was say. the fifth wheel. The, not the fifth wheel, but the fifth <laughs> Beatle. Uh, before in the '70s, it was Max Robinson, then Gordon Peterson with right. Maureen Bunyan, who served the same role yes. that Doreen did with Gordon Barnes and Glenn Brenner, maybe Warner Wolf before. So they were the team they in were. the city, and they then were. and then you all came in in the '80s, and then you became the team for 30 years. It was a an amazing we worked, run. We had a really good general manager, and in the 70s, Channel 9 was not just number one. They were the dominant newscast yeah, in this city, uh, and Warner Wolf was the guy back then, yep. then replaced by Glenn Brenner, and I'd like to talk about Glenn later on because mm -hmm. I think he's the most talented person to ever come through here. Anyway, our general manager called us in, and he uh, is the one that, you know, Willard Scott was the weatherman on Channel 4, and they recruited him for the Today Show where Bob Ryan was working, so they traded Bob for Willard. Mm -hmm. Bob came to town very unhappy, uh, you know, doing local television right. after being on a national show, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it turned out that this was a wonderful move for him, and he became the, the standard for weather guys in Washington. So our general manager, a guy named John Rohrbeck, looked at the staff. He decided to stick with Jim Vance. And Vance, as people know, had uh, a lot of ups and downs right. and quite some problems, especially with addiction. Mm -hmm. But Rohrbeck decided he would stick with Jim Vance and he would work to find a partner for him. And then he had Bob Ryan and then he recruited George. And then he came to me and he said, we want you on the end of the newscast every night. And uh, getting back to me, one of the things that helped us grow is we had a unique group of people doing unique things. And nobody else was covering entertainment and features and that sort of thing at the end of the newscast uh, the way I was. And nobody else got to lead into Johnny Carson and then uh, Jay Leno. So uh, it was kind of a perfect alignment. And Robert said, we cannot beat Channel 9 one-on-one. -on -one. This is not going to happen, but we can succeed as a team, which is a really good and interesting thing to say. He said, if we combine our talents and our abilities, we can prevail over Channel 9. 
And Channel 9 and Channel 4 started getting uh, neck and neck, and uh, the station was sold to a big conglomerate, and they started cutting back on their talent. And, of course, you know, now all stations have uh, cut back on talent, and they've cut back on unique things. But as as people left 9, they would find us. My competition was a guy named Davy Marlin Jones. Ah, yes. Who wore hats, had he was sort of doing a um, a Gene Shallot imitation mm-hmm. on the local news. He was a uh, theatrical director and ran a theater company, dressed outrageously, like did Father magic. Guido Sarducci yes, kind of looked exactly, like. Yes, exactly, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, in the late 80s, they let him go. And in the early 80s, I started competing with him. And my way to compete with him was, I'm going to make sure you know what I think at the end of the review. I'm going to give it a rating. Because Davey would talk, throw things up in the air, and nobody knew if he liked it or not. He, they let him go, and they started letting people like that go, and then they had a terrible tragedy. They had the most uh, talented sports guy ever in local television, a guy named Glenn Brenner. Glenn was extremely funny, and although he was the sports reporter, people would watch him because he was so funny. Uh, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile yes. came to town. Weenie of the week. Yes. Yes. And Remember so he's well. driving the Wienermobile around, and he gets a policeman to come over, and the policeman is giving him a ticket. He says, what are you giving me a ticket for? He says, your car is too big. He says, you're giving me a ticket because my wiener is too big. <laughs> He could get away with a lot of stuff, couldn't he? He won an Emmy, and he gaffer-taped it to his car, and he's driving around with it. They say in Philadelphia, where he had worked before, they got a new set one night, and it was all wood and mahogany and very imposing-looking, and they came to him for the sports, and when they did, he stood up from his podium, and he said, We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. (laughs) He was... He was unbelievable. And he was running in the Marine Corps Marathon and collapsed. And it turned out he had a brain tumor and died. And they replaced him by bringing back Warner Wolf 10 years after Warner had left. When Warner was here in the 70s, he was the the biggest thing. He was. He was the biggest thing in town. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, he was 10 years older and times had changed. and, And he was a disappointment. Right. And that's about the time the Channel 4 began to accede. Right. Uh, that and the NBC lineup in the 80s, yeah. you know. It was really must before the term must-see yeah. TV. Y- yeah. Your team with, with Jim Doreen, Bob, George, and yourself, that was really must-see TV. And the key, and I teach a class at the University of Maryland, a, a sports TV uh-huh. production uh-huh. class, and I talk about shows like PTI that the key is right. chemistry, and you yes. can't really teach chemistry. Exactly. You either have it or you don't. You can work on it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the chemistry was and the rapport that you had, the crosstalk, it was genuine and I think that's why people enjoyed it It was like we're coming into your living room while you guys were having fun yeah Kornheiser and Wilbon had worked together at the Washington Post and would sit there and argue with each other in the office and so they came to ESPN at a time when ESPN was recruiting sports writers and putting them on uh, the all sports cable Mm -hmm. and uh, and their chemistry is genuine I've been around them 
They, you know, I've had lunch with them. I've played golf with them. Mm-hmm. They that is not an act. No, and people can tell when it's an act. They can, and and it's a genuine thing. For a while, we had an older gentleman who was trying to be the anchor. And uh, this is a story about Bob Ryan, because Ryan and I were quite good pals and and still are. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we get together for lunch every two or three months now just to that must be something. laugh and act silly. I'd like to be a fly on the wall for those. <laughs> One night I went to a play. You know, I covered theater in the 80s. And... Uh, In the early 80s, downtown Washington was still empty. It was abandoned. And there were a lot of spaces down there from businesses that had left. And that gave an opportunity to several theater companies who could get space for free and who could do creative things. And so I went down to this theater, the Source Theater, on 14th Street. And they had hired a woman named Vivica Lindfors, who was a movie star way back in the 40s. And, you know, always like a great... B, grade C movie star. <laughs> and so I say on the air, Vivica Lindfors has brought her uh, her one-woman play to town, and the guy next to me says, oh, Vivica Lindfors, I remember her in the movies. And Bob Ryan is standing on my left. We're on the air live, and he says, Soto Voice, silent or talky? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody heard it. George <laughs> Michael is over there doing a spit take. And the whole place roars with laughter. And the poor guy, you know, he did, you know. And and so I'm I'm in that tension of being next to a guy that I, I don't want to make fun of, but everybody else is. And I'm trying to go on the air. And I, I, I couldn't speak. And it's and those kind of events happened night after night after night. All right, we got to get into some other things because your oh. wife's going to get mad at us because you're not going to be home by dark. So I want to talk <laughs> about this, yes. what's that? Is this a 24-hour uh, yes. podcast? Yes. Uh, all right, the hats. One of your signatures oh, was the, the, the f- yes. fedoras. First the of all, yes. how many fedoras did you do you own? I still own six. That's I own it. Three, you know, straw ones and three felt. I would have guessed dozens. No, uh, just just six, you okay. know, because I go through them, okay. I edit them out, and and then I, then I've got two or three caps. Okay, I my cousin, I, I saw a cousin, and uh, his father had come to visit my parents in San Antonio way back in the forties, and he said, you know, uh, I think you should have this. He hands me a hat box, and there is a Panama hat in it, literally from Panama. And my uncle had bought it at a downtown department store in San Antonio. He says, you know, this is a San Antonio hat. So I had to go downtown because I think it was when they were holding hearings on Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. And there was, uh, I think some of that was in a courthouse. And there was like, you know, it was one of those big media scrims. So they sent me down there one day and it was summer and hot. And I said, I'm going to be standing around in the sun. I'm going to wear this hat. So I put the hat on and everybody says, oh my God, that hat looks so good. And this happened coincidentally 
at the time, my hair was thinning uh-huh. and thinning and thinning. <laughs> As a young guy, you know, I had a head of hair, and occasionally I'd wear a, a driving cap, and my hair would stick straight out, and I'd look ridiculous. But as as that ceased to be a problem, okay. uh, the hats worked, and so I started wearing them. And it became your thing, or one of your yeah, things. It, so. You know, it's one of those things I just stumbled okay. into. All right, I want to talk about Oscar snubs. Uh, okay, oh, I, I, yes. I'm fired up about one yes. in particular, and you might well, not guess what the one is. But go, go ahead. You're the ready one to go. I'm most fired up about is if Beale Street could talk, mm-hmm. which they nominated Regina King right. for Best Supporting Actress, but it really deserved to be a Best Picture this year, and I don't know how it got left out. And, and because they could go up to ten <laughs> movies. So yeah. why there's no reason? I mean, the other categories there you can only do five, so I can understand right. why yeah. somebody would yeah. be left out. But they yeah. only had eight in the best picture. So how does uh, that movie not get nominated? I and and of the eight, for instance, Vice. A lot of people are uh, surprised that's right. among the eight. There's no rhyme or reason. You know, I I came on here talking about how things are changing. Right. And the value of an Oscar seems to be diminishing as we we watch that show year after year. The fact, you know, that two years ago they got it mixed up and gave it to the wrong movie. Right. It was uh, Moonlight and uh, La La Land. Right. That was unbelievable. And, you know, that alone is like a knock in the armor. Yep. And then last year that they gave it to The Shape of Water. A lot of which people is didn't like a that. Highly unusual. Yeah, people you know, didn't some people didn't get that uh, one. The Shape of Water, a lot of people are just shrug their shoulders and like, "What? What the hell is that?" <laughs> and now this year the the ABC is cracking down on them because on who? On, on the Motion Picture Academy okay. and the people who produce the broadcast mm-hmm. because the ratings keep falling yes, off. Yes, they do. And the ratings, the ratings keep falling because the Golden Globes actually put on a better show and do, do it in less than three hours. And, uh, and so they've been told they have to change. Every change they make, there's a blowback. And so they say, okay, okay, we're, we're not going to do that after all. We, you know, we'll have the most popular movie. No, no, what a bad idea. Okay, we won't have it. Uh, we're not going to give uh, editing and cinematography on the air. Right. Well, you know, that's what movies are about. Oh, okay. Well, we'll do them anyway. It's a mess. And I understand they're going to have, like, sports and... What? Jose Andres. The and, chef? Yeah. He's going to give an Oscar. Uh, they're, they're going outside of their, you know, of their lane. Right. And uh, it's like, oh, uh, I, I want to slap them. I just want to slap them. All right. Well, hopefully next year. Hopefully next year you can be executive producer. <laughs> All right. I want to get back to the snub. Right. So one of the uh, other snubs I felt not just me, but uh, well, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper for director. Yeah. How does yeah. he not get nominated for best director? You know, in the in the history of the Oscars, you had Kevin Costner mm-hmm. doing the same thing with Dances with Wolves, right. and uh, and it just looked like a, a sure thing for Bradley Cooper. They didn't do it. Cool. I thought a star is born was going to be more of a contender. 
I did too. I uh, still think it'll win some awards, but I I, I, I wouldn't don't. be surprised if it doesn't win anything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that'll be surprising and disappointing. Right. So my biggest beef, my biggest uh-huh. snub is in the documentary feature, the oh, movie I thought yes, should win didn't even get nominated. Yeah. Mr. Rogers, how does uh, that not get nominated? It, it beats me. I do not know. I don't understand. I need I need answers, Arch. I need um, answers. You know, Free Solo, they seem mm-hmm. to think, is going to be the one. I really liked a documentary called Three Identical Strangers. I mm-hmm. don't even know if it got nominated. I don't think it did. It, CNN just ran yeah. it uh, a couple of weeks ago. That, that uh, is, you that's know. That's quite any, a story. That's Three Identical Strangers. Watch that. Yes. That's really worth seeing. Other snubs, uh, Ryan Coogler, director of Black Panther, perhaps. Right, Michael yeah. B. Jordan, actor. So there, there's a bunch. There's always going to be, you know, if you have only five nominees, there's always going to be one or two that right. people want but in there. The ten thing, yeah, and the, movie. And the documentary. I don't I, get the documentary. Thing I don't either. All. I don't understand. All right, let's do some quick picks here. Oh, okay. All, all right, right, so best picture. I know you've you've I'm, done this I'm on your going website for Roma. Okay, now should um, win and will win. Basically, should win. I think will win. Yep. I would be interested if there's an upset in Best Picture. I really do like Green Book. Yeah. And uh, Green Book, I think, has massive goodwill for those who see it. Uh, it is a standard issue black guy, white guy movie. Buddy and, flick. And, yep. You know, this is a time beyond mm-hmm. that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bohemian Rhapsody Best wins movie? because uh, you know uh, if. Uh, if the votes wow. are split, I think Roma has got it. I agree. It would be nice to see Black Panther or Black Klansman. Yes, both were excellent. And, you know, Spike Lee really deserves an award. Yeah, how does he not yeah. ever get not? I, I didn't realize you know, until— Do the Right Thing right. is just— And Malcolm uh, X and— uh, uh, Malcolm X is the one that I really remember yep. as an epic— that is kind of underappreciated. Totally agree. And I'm shocked that he had never been nominated before. All right, best director, uh, no-brainer for Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you on that one. I can't even see anyone uh, being close. Best actor. Although, again, it would be nice if Spike uh, Spike Lee. Lee. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and there is, there's sentiment for him, but I don't, I I think it's Cuarón. Best uh, actor, you talked about Rami Malek. Um, I think, I don't know, Christian Bale, people love him he just becomes whoever he plays uh, a la Robert De Niro but uh, I wouldn't have a problem with Rami Malek winning either best actress uh-huh. has to be the no-brainer of, of the night Glenn right close has to be correct uh, yes I I really admired Melissa McCarthy in can you ever forgive me totally uh, and I thought Lady Gaga had a, a leg up mm-hmm. because of her you know the kind of star she is I didn't think she was a very good actress oh you didn't yeah, I thought no. she was very natural. I thought as she was a great singer. Uh-huh. Being an actress. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, best supporting actor, Mahershala Mah- 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 Ali. Ali. Yes. Although there's a guy named Richard E. Grant who was excellent. The Melissa McCarthy movie, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And and there's a lot of sentiment for him. And Sam but Elliott was, you know, Sam, Sam Elliott, Elliott's being Sam Elliott, right. but he was excellent in this. Meat, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> Meat, shut up and eat it. Meat, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> All right, so you're going with Ali. 
By I the way, it, yeah. uh, did you know that Ali played basketball in college and he was a pretty decent player at St. Mary's? Oh, I did not know that. I no. just saw some video today no. on Twitter wow. of him. I knew he played, but I had never uh-huh. seen video, and he wow. was he was a pretty good player. Not not a superstar, but pretty good. Uh, supporting actress feel strongly um, about Regina King? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I would be shocked I agree. if somebody else uh, wins that. All right, director? Uh, we, we said right, Quaron. Quaron. Uh, and then, okay, animated. I feel really strongly about Spider-Man. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was a next-level animated. It's, you uh, know, it, it, Isle of Dogs with Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. I thought stunk. <laughs> now, do you typically like Wes Anderson movies? I do, yeah. Okay, so then and I it thought was... this stunk. Okay. Ralph Breaks the Internet, the same thing. What uh-huh. the hell was that? Yeah. That, that's Spider-Man. I can't see Spider-Man losing that. If, if it does, there should be an investigation. And then the other two, I guess, interesting ones, adapted and original screenplay. What do you like for adapted? Beale Street? <sighs> That's a hard one. It is a hard one. Beale Street is a beautiful adaptation and deserves to win. And Can You Ever Forgive Me is a great adaptation of this woman's book. Right. Uh, Lee Israel. Lee Israel. Yep. Uh, Melissa and, McCarthy was was incredible. I mean, for people who think of her just as a, a clown and a comedic actress, she was excellent in this movie. I'm just going to guess Beale Street. Okay. But it could be Black Klansman right. uh, out of sentiment. Right. And that, and and that was, was a, good, a nice adaptation. It was. An original screenplay, Roma, has to win, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah, how it can. Yeah. Could it be Green Book? Yeah. All right. So what about uh, no hosts this year? It's not unprecedented, but it's not very common either. So we know what happened with Kevin Hart. What do you think about the decision to not replace him and to go, quote, unquote, hostless? Uh, I think it stinks. Okay. I think. Did they wimp out? I think it's another example of uh, the Television Academy, mm-hmm. or the, the Motion Picture Academy, just stumbling all over themselves. And they are so difficult to work for that this is the result of it. You know, they had David Letterman, and and everybody defamed Letterman. Uma Oprah, Uma Oprah. You know, and Letterman was the perfect guy, and then the last couple of years, I like Jimmy Kimmel. I think he's really good as a, a, you know, a a new generation late night guy. But Billy Crystal's Uh, the king, right? With all his, the opening uh, Kimmel was doing David Letterman's act from 20 years ago, and I think one good thing about the lack of a host is they don't need those bits. They don't need walking uh, civilians into a movie theater and uh, and putting them on the Oscars. They, you know, those things are time wasters, and they're not they're not that funny. We've seen that right. stuff before. Okay. So you know, maybe it'll work. I wonder how they're going to start it. Yeah, I think what you do is you make people not realize it's hostless. So you start with some kind of number, and then maybe you have Voice of God introduce the the first presenters, and you I make it, so, you just yeah. make them not think that there's uh, not think about that the fact that there's not a host. Well, right. that will save them yeah. twelve minutes. Yes, and and a lot of money too. You don't uh-huh. have to pay a host. Right. Okay, so we could go on for hours, Arch, but unfortunately, <laughs> your wife is going to get really <laughs> angry if we don't let you go. So you are invited back anytime you want. Oh well, this Re- is terrific. Really enjoyed your stories. Is, uh, you're a legend, and it's 
It's an honor to. I'm going to shake your hand. Oh, even though people thank can't you. See We're it. shaking it on the radio. Yes, uh, an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much for for joining me. My name is Joe Yashroff, and this is uh, Moco's most famous. Wanted to thank our engineers, Mike Valentine and Jonathan Walker. And please join us next time on Moco's most famous. Who's coming next? I don't know. Oh. I wish I knew that. Oh, Ooh. I think Doug Cameron. You're. Oh, uh, really? You're, tra- you're Channel well, Four buddy. I had dinner with him, and I like him. So I've just ruined your ending, haven't I? No, I'm you have not ruined right your ending. That's here. a great tease and promotion for next week. <laughs> we will see you next time, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>